Today's Bible reading is taken from Mark chapter 7 verses 1 to 23. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some, some of his disciples with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. How's everyone doing? That's awesome. How's people from Eastern Cape doing? Um, anyone from KZN this evening? Anyone from Limpopo this evening? That's more like it. When I say good evening, that's uh, the expectation that I have. Um, it's so exciting to be back. It's so exciting to be bringing you God's word. Um, I hope that you keep your Bible open to that passage that was read to us. Um, tonight we kick starting a series titled... Um, Anatomy of the heart is going to be exciting. Um, I do hope that you'll uh, join us uh, for that. Uh, now, before we get into it, uh, obviously this this is going to be uh, one of those series uh, that deals with our behavior, uh, that deals with uh, some of the things that drive us and some of the things uh, that we hold dear to our hearts. So it's going to require you to look deep into your heart, and often that is... Um, 
uh, quite a challenge because uh, we, especially for myself, don't often like what we see um, on the inside. So this um, hopefully will challenge us uh, to think about our own lives. If you are a Christian, uh, to think about your walk with Jesus. If you're not a Christian, uh, to think about where you stand and what is, what is the thing that drives you uh, and, uh, and controls uh, your heart. Just before we get into our series, uh, just to let you in on how we choose series at Christchurch Midrand, uh, we believe and we're convicted that uh, people are transformed and changed when they hear the word of God being preached uh, and by the power of the Spirit. Uh, so our normal practice is that we'll walk our way through um, a specific Bible book. Uh, we've, if you've been with us for three years, we worked our way through John's Gospel. Uh, earlier on this year, we looked at Titus. Uh, when Royden was preaching, uh, he preached through Genesis, and he looked at specific, a specific portion of uh, Genesis. Uh, just previously, uh, Reggie took us through Haggai. Uh, that's a prophet, the minor prophet in the Old Testament. And that was a life-changing sermon series. If you didn't listen to that, uh, please download it, go onto our website, uh, and listen to, to that. Uh, so that's how we, uh, we, we do things here. We believe that the authority is the Bible. Now, every now and again, we will do what we call a topical series, um, and that doesn't mean that we, I'm coming up here to tell you what David thinks, uh, my dreams and my thoughts. No, that's not uh, what we're doing with the topical series. Uh, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to pick a theme in the Bible and see how it, uh, it uh, progresses and how uh, the Bible teaches on a specific theme or topic. So still, the authority is God's word. Uh, so as we get into our series, um, I do hope that we will stand uh, in the authority of uh, the word. I pray that it will challenge us, uh, that God would work by his spirit uh, to change lives. Uh, so why don't you bow your heads as I lead us in a time of prayer as we get into God's word. Father, we thank you so much uh, for uh, your cross. We thank you for the songs that we sing, that indeed we have nothing uh, in our hands uh, to bring to you. Uh, but simply to your cross we cling. So this evening I pray that your word would convict us. Uh, we need your grace now more than ever. Uh, we need your transforming power now more than ever. I pray that you would help us to make deep reflections on our own lives and that we would be challenged uh, in the way we think and behave uh, and that we would live more and more for Christ our Lord. And this we pray for his sake and for our good. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever been told something about yourself. Um, out of the blue, somebody drops it like that. Uh, it's something that you need to hear, but you don't really want to hear. Uh, I wonder if something like that has ever happened to you. Uh, for me, it was about four months ago, I was um, fellowshipping around, chatting to people after the service in the morning. Uh, there's lots of kids that come around. Uh, and this one six-year-old, I know that uh, her parents, and so we were playing around, and I was lifting her. We were having fun. And then we were chatting as well as I was doing that. And then she said something that hit home for me, uh, that cut deep into my heart. She said, ew, your breath stinks. <laughs> and I'm like... 
Here's a six-year-old. Uh, they have no filters. Uh, they have no reason to offend me. So clearly what they're saying is true, uh, but I did not want to hear it uh, at that very moment. Um, at that morning, I've never been so self-conscious about my breath. I did not talk to anybody else after the service. Uh, I looked around for mint. Uh, in fact, I'm carrying a chappies. <laughs> I learned from my mistakes. Um, but she told me something that I needed to hear because I was talking to people. Adults have filters. They will never tell you that your breath stinks. Um, but this six-year-old told me something I needed to hear, but I did not want to hear. Oh, how's about this? Uh, my wife, I get into the car and close the, the car. And she says, I think you should buy cologne. Because, I mean, and she doesn't complete the sentence. And she says to me, do you have nobody in your life who tells you that you smell like raw meat? (laughs) Goes in there, cuts deep. Um, Have you ever been told something about you, about yourself, that you seriously needed to hear, but didn't want to want to hear. I mean, being told that uh, you stink is uh, cuts deep, but it, it isn't that deep, is it? Um, imagine somebody telling you something about your behavior uh, that stinks. Has anyone ever done that? I think when it comes to uh, telling it like it is, cutting deep to uh, the truth, nobody does it well like Jesus Christ himself. Uh, So in our passage this evening, here's Jesus hanging around with a bunch of religious dudes, uh, and he tells them, listen, guys, you guys stink. Um, They look good on the outside, obviously. Uh, They look like they smell good. Uh, They do all the right stuff. But deep inside, Jesus would say to them uh, that something is fraught, something uh, is rotten uh, in in them. And he tells them these words uh, that cut deep into their situation, and he exposes uh, what's in there. Uh, so what we're going to see this evening is Jesus uh, cutting open the human heart. Um, he cuts open the human heart and he exposes what's in there and he tells us a truth that we need to hear. Jesus cuts deep into the human heart. He exposes what's in there and he tells us a truth that you and I need to hear. So as we begin uh, this mini-series in the anatomy of the human heart, um, anatomy sekhoa, uh, is, for those of us who went to township schools, uh, it, it, it means to cut down something into pieces uh, in order to study it. So that's what anatomy is. Anatomy of the heart simply means that we're cutting uh, up the human heart and studying it. And that's what Jesus is doing. He cuts open and says, look at your heart. Look at what's in there. Uh, and he tells us the truth uh, that you and I need uh, to hear. So firstly, we're going to look at those uh, three things. One, that Jesus cuts deep into the human heart. Secondly, that he exposes what's in there. Third, we're going to see that he tells us the truth that you and I so need to hear, uh, but we don't want to, we don't want to hear. Now let's first uh, talk about Jesus cutting into the human heart uh, and think about this concept of the human heart. What do we think of when uh, when those words come up uh, for, for us living in Midland 2019, I think probably the heart for us is a good thing. Um, it is that 
part of us that is so, so pure and so, so good, uh, you'll hear people saying, you must just follow your heart. Follow your heart. Um, Princess Diana, I had to Google this. Um, he said, she said, that only do what your heart tells you. Uh, when we refer to our heart in the heart in 2019, Midrand, we're influenced by uh, the culture of the United States, all of the media that we consume uh, from there. And the heart is often that part of us that we need to listen to, that we need to follow, that pure part of us, uh, that deep place within us that is so filled with love and all of the good stuff that can make this world a better place. That's what we think about when we think about love. If we unleash what's in our heart, uh, the, the, the media will tell us, uh, then this world would be a better place. Uh, so you hear someone saying you are heartless, uh, that means you don't have the ability uh, to exercise that deep uh, um, ability within you to love um, others. Uh, you hear this in the songs, uh, Disney is the biggest um, kind of um, the place that shapes our understanding of the heart. This uh, one song says, so make your own way, show the beauty within. When you follow your heart, there's no heart you can win. So reach for the sky, it's not as high as it seems. Just follow your heart, go as far as your dream. So nobody should define you, you should define yourself, you should look deep inside of you uh, and follow what's in there. Because if you do so, uh, you're going to reach your wildest, wildest dreams. And now as you can tell by the way I speak, um, I didn't grow up listening to Disney or Princess Diana for any, uh, any of, um, uh, for, for any, uh, what am I saying? I didn't listen to, <laughs> to both of, either of those people. Um, but also in the Tswana culture, we had our own understanding of the human heart. Um, so I still remember, not Princess Diana, but the princess, my, my late grandmother, whenever she would get angry, uh, she would unleash um, uh, all fury on me. And she would tell me, For those who don't know, it means, you evil child, your heart is so darkened. Your heart is dark. Um, and basically, as I was naughty, as she was looking at me, I was like the incarnation of evil, uh, as she, she would utter those words. Uh, so we speak about a dark heart. Uh, we speak about a, a long heart, uh, which means that you are long-bearing, you, 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 you show patience. Uh, we speak about pilunomi, it's a kind heart. So those are some of the concepts that shape our understanding of the human heart. But when you get to the Bible, you see that Jesus has his own understanding of the heart and uh, his own understanding of what the, uh, what the heart is capable of. Uh, if you have Bibles, uh, please turn to Luke uh, chapter 6, verse uh, 45. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. This is what Jesus has to say about the, the heart. He says that the good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of, his, of the heart, his mouth speaks. 
And notice uh, what Jesus says about uh, the human heart. And I think in his time, this was the most revolutionary thing uh, to say. Jesus pointed to the real issue of human behavior, and he pointed uh, to the heart as where uh, the place where behavior uh, flows. Uh, according to Jesus, what makes people tick, what makes people do the things that they do, is the human heart. The human heart is the heart of behavior. It's the thing uh, that is inside of us that makes us do the things on the outside. Uh, so behavior, human behavior, Jesus said, flows from the inside out. That is what Jesus said. He says, bad people do bad stuff because of the best stuff that's in their heart. Good people do uh, good stuff because of the goodness uh, that is in their heart. Human behavior flows from uh, the heart. It is what makes us tick. Just think of a steering wheel of a car for a moment. Whoever controls the steering wheel controls the direction of the car, isn't it? So it is with the human heart. Whoever or whatever controls it uh, controls your behavior. And whatever controls your behavior determines the direction of your life. So it matters to kind of pause and reflect. Man, what is the thing that is controlling my heart at this point. It matters to think about uh, that. Um, in fact, the writer of Proverbs says it in this way, and I think it's so profound. He wrote, um, they wrote a, a couple of years before Jesus stepped into the scene. Uh, listen to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And this is what the writer says. Uh, in the ESV, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Uh, so you see that picture of uh, a spring, uh, a place where water comes from. He says that your heart uh, is, is dead. The NIV says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Uh, so it matters that you guard your heart uh, because your behavior uh, flows from it. Do you see those two pictures? Uh, on the one hand, we have um, a storehouse, a storeroom, uh, that whatever is inside there is going to come out. Whatever is in there will come out. And then another picture of a spring, uh, the origin of a human life. Uh, that is the human heart. That is the Bible's way of defining um, the heart. Uh, let me give you this definition uh, from the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery. This is how they describe the heart. It says um, that the word heart is often used of such things as personality and the intellect, memory, and emotions, desires, and will. Uh, so when the Bible describes the heart, you'll see it talking about the heart, uh, the heart remembering things, uh, the heart uh, decides, the heart devices evil, um, the heart makes decisions. But most of all in the Bible, the heart is that inner part of us, uh, that makes decisions, uh, but that is tainted by sin. The heart is tainted by sin. So as Jesus cuts open the human heart, uh, he's going to tell us that that's where, that's the engine of your, your life. That is the very place where you make decisions. And it is tainted by sin, which brings us to uh, our second point where Jesus exposes what's in the human heart. Uh, let's pick it up from our passage in Mark chapter 7. Uh, Jesus, again, is interacting with this 
group of guys called the Pharisees. Uh, these were the coolest guys in the communities because they were religious. Uh, if you uh, went to a funeral, those would be the guys at the tent. Uh, you guys know the tent, uh, uh, the, the pastor's tent. Um, I skip the queue, by the way. That's one of the privileges uh, at weddings and stuff. Uh, I just go to the pastor's tent, uh, and while you guys are queuing, um, we treat it uh, important there. So this would be this, those guys, the Pharisees walking the streets. These guys were so religious uh, that they decided um, to add more laws uh, to God's law. So they got together and said, man, how can we nail this religion thing? How can we nail all those Ten Commandments? Let's add more laws uh, so that um, we can, uh, we can uh, succeed in, in, um, in obeying God's law. Um, but one of the things that we read about the Pharisees is that they were so concerned about the issue of purity. Uh, so they wanted to be pure before God. How do you do that? Well, uh, by the time the Pharisees were around, by the time of Jesus, there were so many Gentile, that means non-Jewish people, living within Jerusalem. Now, Gentile people, according to the Old Testament law, uh, were not seen. Uh, they were separated from a relationship with God. So these guys thought to themselves, if you interact with Gentiles, you need to cleanse yourself ceremonially so that you are not defiled. Uh, so in other words, evil is out there in the world. Uh, for us to be pure, we need to cleanse ourselves of all that evil uh, that is outside. We need to not interact with guys who are evil because they're going to defile us. Uh, and this is why, uh, have a look at verse 3 to 4. Uh, this is why Mark explains uh, this, um, uh, this to us. Verse 3, he says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. So notice there that it's not something that the Bible prescribed, but it was the tradition that came later on uh, with them trying to keep themselves pure. So they would wash their hands uh, and do this uh, ritual uh, of cleansing themselves. Have a look at verse 4. And when they, came, uh, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. Uh, and there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. These guys were serious. It wasn't a hygienic obsession. It was a ritualistic obsession. Man, we want to keep ourselves pure. So let's do everything within our means uh, to wash ourselves uh, of that sin. Every time you go to uh, pick and pay, you rub shoulders with Gentiles, you can't have that. You can't eat and defile yourself after having interacted with Gentiles. So they would cleanse uh, themselves. Uh, so this is why on this occasion, have a look at verse 1, uh, they came to Jesus. Now the, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with, his, with hands that were defiled, that were unwashed. Verse 5, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, that is Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Uh, so they rock up to Jesus. Uh, they uh, interview him. Jesus, tell us, um, this is the tradition of the elders. And it's like, why do your disciples not follow uh, this tradition? Why is that? 
So I can almost imagine Jesus uh, looking at them, like that guy from Tutoria, when he was asked the question, step into the side and say, Dibras, <laughs> Noring. Some of you will catch that later. Uh, so this is what he says to them in verse 6. Have a look at verse 6 with me. They asked Jesus, why do your disciples not uh, wash their hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honor me, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain did they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. So notice that Jesus looks at them and he's like, you guys, you guys look like you're religious on the outside. You guys look like you have it together. But in reality, you guys are hypocrites. Although you concerned with purity on the outside, the truth of the matter is that something is filthy inside of you. Something is filthy inside of you. Jesus exposes to them what's in their heart. And that much as they look like they go to church, uh, they, their hearts are far from him. Have you seen that uh, famous Michael Jackson move, the moonwalk? These guys had moonwalked away from God. It looks like you're still there, but you're far from God. And I think the reality as we see it at church this evening is that some of us are far from God. It looks like we're close. It looks like we, we're lifting our, our hands as we uh, sing praises to God. We say the right prayers. We do the right stuff. Uh, but the reality of the matter is that we've moonwalked away from God. Our hearts are far from him. And I think that is the temptation for every Christian uh, to drift away from God. And you may be asking yourself, how do I know that that's, that's me? How do I know that I've moonwalked away from God? Well, the reality is this. If you're doing church and you're doing religion, uh, but there's no inward transformation of your heart, then you probably moonwalked away from God. If there's no sin that you feel convicted about, for many months you're just living and you think you have it together, the reality is you might have moonwalked away from God. But God is calling us back. God is a gracious and merciful God who calls people who have drifted away from him. But Jesus cuts deeper and explains to them what that hypocrisy looks like. Have a look at verse 21 to 23. We're still in Mark chapter 7. Are you guys still with me? For from within, Jesus says, out of the heart of men, excuse me, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. And the thing that makes you unclean is not what's on the outside, but is what's on the inside. In fact, if you were to look closely into your heart, Jesus says to them, uh, you would see all of these things, uh, all of these things uh, that he's mentioned. You see, Jesus gives us a picture of the human heart. At its worst, uh, this is the reality. At its worst, this is your heart and my heart. And sometimes we play religion to try to cover it up. Um, somebody, Royden was preaching this morning, what, he used the, uh, a nice picture of putting the lipstick of religion 
on a pig. That's what we do. We put perfume on a corpse, but the reality is this, that you and I, our hearts are this. Now, don't you find it interesting that the heart that is far from God is close to evil? That the heart that draws away from God uh, is inclined to things that are destructive uh, to society. All of those sins that he mentions are the things, if you were to look at our current uh, situation in the country, are the things that you and I uh, saw long that they were not part of our society. But the more and more that you and I move away from God, the more we are inclined and our hearts are inclined uh, to do these things uh, that distract our human flourishing and our human uh, society. When you and I decide, man, we're sick and tired of God, we want to be in charge of our lives, uh, this is the kind of thing that happens. Uh, more and more, the more we move away from God, the more we move uh, towards us being the center and the gods of our lives, and that is a destructive behavior. Now put a few people um, in a place called Johannesburg uh, with sins uh, in their hearts uh, in verse 21 and 22. Put people like that in one room, and what do you have? All those things that are on the inside will come out, isn't it? They will come out. Just the stats this year up until uh, September, I checked it out. There was about 4,500 murders in Johannesburg alone. Uh, there was 10,000 or close to 10,800 sexual offenses. The thing that our country is crying about at this point in, 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 in time. Over 24,000 cars were stolen just in Joburg alone. Now, these are the reported stats. Obviously, the picture is much more uh, gruesome than this. Uh, but then uh, you look at um, not just the sins out there, the crime out there, but in our own lives, uh, as you look at our corporate spaces, the amount of greed that is there, the amount of backbiting that is there, the amount of uh, just uh, people climbing on other people to get to the top, um, people, it's easy to put somebody under the bus when you've done the mistake. It's easy to take credit for work that you didn't do. Uh, that is the Joburg that you and I live in. Uh, and we, we, we like the stuff. Um, pride is a thing that, um, that sort of leads us. Um, pride, we, we look at it as a culture and we say, man, it's not pride. It's confidence. You've got to have confidence. And then we, uh, we reward those with confidence, isn't it? Uh, those guys who in the corporate space have the most pride um, are the ones that we elevate. We worship sex, and then we build temples to, to it. Uh, it's called strip clubs. Uh, and if you can't make it to the temple, man, uh, be, be, be comforted. There's an app for that. Uh, you can just access it from the comfort of your home. That is how they right, isn't it? It's a picture of what we see here in verses 21 and 22. And when you and I gravitate towards these things, who, who, who suffers? Well, the powerful, um, if they the gods of their own lives, they use their power uh, to, end, to gain those things that they truly want. If, I'm a, if I'm, my heart is filled with uh, sexual immorality, then I'll do just about anything and oppress anybody who's powerless uh, to gain uh, my pleasure. Because what governs me is my desire for pleasure. That is the Jobek that you and I uh, live in, that the poor um, are used to uh, be stepping stone uh, for those who are 
powerful, and it's an it's a thing that our culture worships. Um, I was chatting to a pastor a couple of weeks ago um, about just the, the situation in our country, and he was saying that most of us would be okay with watching music videos where there's a fully dressed rapper and a half naked woman, and still in the same breath say that women are not sexual objects. So you see the, the hypocrisy of our thinking, that we are okay to perpetuate these things, uh, but when their ugly heads rear up, we uh, say something that's totally contradictory to what we, what we believe. Uh, so we are at best uh, hypocrites. We are at best uh, like this Pharisees uh, who put up standards uh, that we should live by, but they themselves uh, do not follow it. So that is, that is the nature of the human heart. And the truth that you and I need to hear, which brings us to our last point here, um, is um, who should be in control of our hearts. Uh, if those things were the thing that are at the heart of the Pharisees or at the heart of humanity, what should be there? Like, what is the thing that should be controlling us? Uh, And you might have guessed it. God is the one who has to be taking the steering wheel of our hearts. God is the one who should be reigning and ruling in our hearts. Uh, God is the one who should call the shots in how we live um, our lives. Uh, And this we pick it up uh, from the rest of Scripture, particularly in Deuteronomy. Um, There's a famous verse there called the Shema. Shema was a creed. A creed is something that people live by, um, a a, a thing that they said often to remind themselves what they were all about. Listen to these words from Deuteronomy. It starts off by saying, um, it starts off by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And that is what should be controlling your life and my life. God should be at the center. Our affection and our love should be towards God, the creator um, of the universe. This is the teaching that these guys were were to live by. This is the teaching that they were to put everywhere and be reminded that their loyalty should belong to Yahweh, the God of Israel. And this um, loyalty, giving your heart to God, simply meant that you obey his law. You obey the law that is given you, uh, the Ten uh, Commandments. If you keep these rules, God says, then you will prosper uh, as a nation. That was the promise to these guys. But the sad reality of human history is that they could not obey these things. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, we see them time and time again worshipping other gods instead of worshipping the Lord, their God, turning their heart and giving their hearts to other gods instead of turning um, to God. Uh, So God promises them that there will be a day where he will come again, a day where he will set up a king to rule their hearts and their lives. And as Jesus steps into the scene in Mark's gospel, we see him saying these words in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. In other words, what Jesus is saying there is that by my coming, the fact that I'm here living among you means that there's a new sheriff in town, a new uh, person who calls the shots, uh, a new person that you should be bowing to, 
Jesus is the one who's supposed to be controlling our hearts. Amen. And in Mark's gospel, he's not only interested in telling us that Jesus should be king over our lives, but he's interested in the kind of king that Jesus is. Mark's gospel is about telling us of what kind of king is Jesus. So what kind of king is he? If you read uh, your, the, the Gospel of Mark, you see that he's a powerful king. Uh, Jesus is powerful over the storms. He's powerful over evil spirits. He's powerful um, over sicknesses and sufferings. Um, but he never uses his power to oppress others. He never uses his power for self-fulfillment and to satisfy uh, his own heart. We see that he's a king who's pure at heart, pure in motive, like none other who ever lived. Yet he uses his power uh, to die on the cross for sinful people, to bring them into a relationship uh, with himself. In chapter 10, uh, verse 45, he says that the Son of Man came uh, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the God that we should worship and bow down to. So Mark would want us to remember that this is the guy that you would want to rule your heart. This is the kind of king that should be in control of your life. I mean, just imagine that for a minute. Jesus is in control of Jobek. And you look at those, um, the list of those sins that, um, that, um, that Mark mentions. Imagine if the, the, the opposite were to be true of our culture. What kind of Jobek would, would we live in? Imagine if there's no evil thoughts, no sexual immorality, no theft, no murder, no adultery, no broken families. Wouldn't that be a world that you and I want to live in? Just think about your life, um, your relationships, uh, perhaps in the workplace. Imagine if there was no coveting, no wickedness in the office space, no deceit. People were to do stuff that they said they would do uh, and not deceive you. Imagine if there was no sensuality, no envy of one another's stuff, no slander, no pride, no foolishness. I mean, wouldn't that be a world that you and I want to live in. I think that's the world that I want to live in, uh, where Jesus is in charge, where he rids us of our sin, where he transforms us uh, to be more like him. Now, now the possibility of that happening in Joburg, um, I think it's, um, it's a bit impossible. Um, but Jesus, when he stepped into the picture, he established an institution called the church, um, the church is made up of people who follow Jesus. Uh, and he said that through those guys, he will transform our society. Uh, through a hundred men who turn their hearts to Jesus, he will transform our society. Imagine hundred guys in the corporate space seeking to follow Jesus, knowing that they're broken and they cannot save themselves. Imagine them stepping into uh, that world uh, and being a difference, being a light in that space. Wouldn't that be a place that you and I want to live in? Uh, see, this evening, Jesus calls us to think about the things that rule our hearts. What is, what is the thing that's driving me? What makes me tick? Uh, and he wants to remind us to only trust him to be in charge of our hearts. Because whatever controls our hearts, controls our behavior. And whatever controls our behavior sets the direction of our lives. Now, how does Jesus take control of our, our lives? Well, 
repenting and believing. Repentance and faith is the way of us stepping into what is calling us to. And here's what repentance and faith looks like. Uh, in the church that I grew up in, the AME church, uh, it was hot, it was lovely. We used to meet under, under a tree uh, and use our Bibles as music instruments. It was fire, man. Um, one of the things that I remember from church growing up was um, the liturgy. By liturgy, I mean the prayers that we say together. Uh, and the, the, the staff that orders the service. Uh, so towards the end of the service, we would by fail do this every week. Uh, a, the guy who's leading the service will come up and read a portion of the law. Uh, this is uh, Anglican tradition. And this is the words that we would say. So uh, he would come up and say, thou shalt not murder, murder. And we would say, Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this law. Lord, have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep this law. And I think that was a great tradition uh, because in saying that, we are confessing that in of ourselves, we don't have the power to obey uh, what God is calling us to. We don't have the power to step in into what he's calling us to. And this is the prayer that you and I should be praying because unless he turns our hearts to worship him, you and I will always choose those things that are in our hearts, that are pleasurable. Unless God does a transformation in our hearts, uh, we will never change. And unless we change, our country will never change. And so we need him now more than ever to transform our lives and to transform our hearts. And I just want to end off with a story of a guy who understood this and and really applied it in his life. Uh, His name is St. Augustine. Uh, how many of you have had a church named St. Augustine or a school named St. Augustine? Uh, probably a few of us. Um, he's a famous uh, theologian. He had the most, the biggest impact in, the, in Christian thinking uh, as we know it this, uh, this day. He was from up there north in, uh, in Algeria, uh, Martin's hero. He probably looked like, I googled this, he was a beber. They look anything either between myself and that guy. <laughs> <You can. laughs> he probably looked like Zinedine Zidane or, or somebody like that. So he was from up there uh, in North Africa. And he was a smart guy. Uh, but one of the things that you might not know about St. Augustine is that he was a sex addict. And this pained him because he grew up in a Catholic home. He grew up with a mother who used to pray for him. And he just wanted to live life, man, and enjoy life. And as he got to varsity, he met a group of guys. He wanted to impress them. Uh, They would steal stuff. Uh, And at the height of his career, we hear that he uh, shacked up with a girl and they were staying together. And this desire for sex, this passion for sex, was the thing that was driving him. Uh, But Augustine came to realize the grace of God in his life and listen to some, one of his uh, quotes from his famous book called uh, The Confessions. He says that the enemy had control of my will, that's my heart, and out of it he fashioned the chain and bound me with it. For in truth, lust, lust is made out of a perverse will, and when lust is served, it becomes a habit, and when a habit is not resisted, it becomes a necessity. In other words, something we can't live without. And this is what he came 
um, to realize. But by God's grace, Augustine was transformed. And um, another quote from his book, The Confession, says this. Uh, He says of our hearts, God, you have made us for yourselves, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Nothing that's quite true for us, isn't it? Um, That unless our hearts find rest in God, you and I will continue to be restless. You and I will continue to wonder, man, what, what is wrong with us as a society? Why is all of this stuff happening? Why is my life the way it is? Unless you find rest in him, the pleasures of this world will never give you uh, that uh, which your heart longs for because God made us for himself. And we cannot be satisfied unless we come to him. Now let me ask you this question. Uh, For yourself, perhaps you are a Christian, not a Christian. What is the sin that you are enjoying right now at the moment that you know that God hates? Where is it that you are running to find this rest? Well, Jesus would remind us um, that that is not going to bring us the satisfaction we need. We need to tend to him um, to do so. Augustine continues uh, to say, that who shall bring me to rest in you? Who will send you into my heart to overwhelm it, that my sins shall be blotted out, and I may embrace you, my only good? Now you see, what Augustine came to realize is that unless he, God, comes to overwhelm our heart, you and I cannot do the things that he calls us to. As we look at our lives, as we look at our country, I do pray for change. I do think that God can change us. If he can change a guy like Augustine, I think he can change a guy like me and, and you. Why don't you bow your heads as I lead us in prayer. Our Father, I do pray for open eyes. I pray that you would open our eyes to the wonders of your gospel Help us see the rebellion in our hearts, the desire to live our lives um, without you. And help us to see the destruction that it causes in our society, in our lives, uh, the times we've, uh, we've um, moved towards rebellion. Uh, Father, it's left us with tears uh, and uh, all sorts of things. So do you pray that this evening you would help us, by your grace, to realize that. And I do pray that you would overcome our desires by the power of your Holy Spirit. Others, you taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come. Uh, We do pray that prayer for us, that Jesus would come into our lives um, to call the shots and that we would surrender uh, our self-will and our desire to be about ourselves. I pray that his kingdom would come, would reign and rule in our hearts, and that we would be transformed, uh, that evil will be pushed away as men and women uh, go into the workplace and live their lives under the authority of Jesus. We understand that we are imperfect and we cannot perfectly please you, so we do pray that you remind us of that where we fail. I pray that through the church you build a community of people whose hearts are changed by the power of the gospel. Uh, So as saints of old prayed, we do pray uh, that have mercy on us and incline our hearts to keep your law. This we pray in your name and for our good.
Amen.